Welcome back to the Unstuck in Time podcast with your hosts, Brennan Breslin and Connor Early. On this podcast, we discuss many different topics from the book Slaughterhouse Five. We look forward to discussing the roles of characters Edgar Derby and Paul Zaro. We will discuss fate and free will and the roles they assume in the book with English teacher Miss Bolt as she shares her views on the topic. <laughs> Lastly, we will dissect a scene where Billy watches TV and we will examine the themes of this scene and why, when, what is Vonnegut communicating to the reader in the scene. That was For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield. Over these last few chapters, we have learned a lot new background information about Edgar Derby and Paul Zaro and how impactful they are to Billy's overall story and how the two characters are so different. So we've been introduced to um, these two fellow soldiers from Billy's life and time at the war. But what we ultimately can imply, because it doesn't really come out, the book doesn't come out and say it, or Vonnegut rather, but Paul ends up murdering Billy. Um, and this happens quite frequently for and people from war. Um, according to Deborah Sontag and Lizette Alvarez from the New York Times, um, they write that the New York Times found 121 cases in which veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan committed a killing in the United States or were charged with one after their return from war. Uh, in many of those cases, combat trauma and the stress of deployment, along with alcohol abuse, family discord, and other addendant problems, appear to have set the stage for a tragedy that was part destruction and part self-destruction. So, I mean, it's I mean, you hear it in the news quite frequently about, you know, veterans murdering people and just, I think Vonnegut was really trying to show, once again, the psychological trauma that really happens in war by having one of Billy's um, federal fellow soldiers end up killing him in the end. Yeah, well, that's not necessarily the case for all of all of soldiers, though. Like, sure, Paul Azaro is like that because... I mean, he's kind of a psycho, but you have guys like Edgar Derby who are just like normal guys, super nice guy who who actually end up dying just for stupid reasons, like for getting the teapot out of the uh, the pile. But he, yeah, it's not always, it's not related to everybody that everybody dies. That quote doesn't relate to everybody. Yeah, I think, you know, it obviously doesn't happen all the time. It's just 121 cases from the war on terror but Vonnegut's just trying to show like it does have significant psychological trauma and if I mean if more than 10 even if one veteran's coming home and you know killing people they can't get out of that war mindset and it must be really tough to live like that you know always on edge always on defense yeah and I think most of but I think most of uh Paul Lazaro's like motives is just the revenge for uh because Roland Weary said that uh, Billy was ultimately the cause of his death and I think Paul Lazaro's like sole purpose in just deflecting his anger uh over to Billy and just putting it on him is just because of that he killed Roland Weary and even and Roland Weary and uh Paul Lazaro actually kind of have similar personalities so he might have he might uh go against Billy just because he is similar to Roland Reed. Yeah, I think they both 
um, kind of deflect their anger to Billy. I mean, Roland had this mindset that he was part of the three musketeers and then he goes and saves Billy and he gets broken up and weary would have killed Billy himself. If he had the chance back a couple chapters, um, but he get, they get stopped and taken as prisoners of war. So I think it's just that similar mindset of, well, just psychological problems overall. And that anyone who isn't completely mentally healthy, war is not going to help them at all. Yeah. Vonnegut definitely put, is, portrays a sense of irony in the fact that uh, Edgar, Edgar Derby, the super nice guy, the high school teacher is the one who ends up dying when Paul, who's the psycho, angry dude, is ultimately he kill he's gonna kill Billy and just goes on with his life. Yeah, it's kind of ironic, kind of probably on purpose to show um you know, the well one again the psychological aspect, but just in life, you know, good guy doesn't always win and he um, died for such a meaningless reason, Edward Derby did, like by firing squad two so drastic, while Paul gets to go back, live his life, and then ends up killing and takes another life um, of someone who's an American for something that Billy really didn't do at all. Yeah, it actually relates to what we talked about in our last podcast with the uh, phrase, so it goes, even though things don't always go. Uh as they should, it just kind of happens. Yeah, it it relates yeah, a lot to our last last podcast, just PTSD. So it goes definitely. Once again, Vonnegut showing just nothing's fair and more against how the saying goes and how anything can happen at all in life in general to anyone. Yeah, and I think the overall message uh, that we can relate these, that how we can relate these characters to, uh, actual soldiers in the war, maybe, would be just like that. Paul Zaro is this guy that's not a perfect hero, but he's he's probably going to be the better. Uh, he's going to be the more violent, more strong. And even though he's like kind of a low life bum who's kind of crazy and out for blood, he might be more uh, beneficial to the war than say some Edgar Derby, who's just a high old guy who's a high school teacher, who might have some good like leadership qualities, but he's not going to be great. Yeah, it's kind of ironic that um, Paul's going to end up, most likely, he was a better soldier in the end of it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, overall, I mean, it is just kind of, uh, yeah, I would say ironic that um, Derby's killed, and it's probably, definitely actually on purpose that Vonnegut has him killed, especially for such a meaningless thing, just taking a teapot, it's... Ironic that he ends up being killed by firing squad, which is why Vonnegut put that in there. While Lazaro gets to, you know, go back home, live his life as a crazy guy, but then ends Billy's all because of another psychologically distressed guy. Well, Weary says that Billy was the cause of his death. And that was Young, Wild, and Free by Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa. Um, now, in, ch- in Chapter 4, one of the Trophimidorians talking to Billy says that free will is a human concept and that it actually isn't real. However, fate is seemingly portrayed in the book when Billy travels through time that is already set and that he cannot change. Mrs. Bolt is here today to give her insights on the topic. 
place both. Do you believe that your life or anybody or a person's life is more determined by faith or free will? I believe that people's lives are based more on free will than they are on faith. I don't believe that faith is a real concept. I think that there are certain things in our lives that control what we believe we can do, such as religion or um, other social factors, but I don't believe that there's anything predetermined in our lives. I think everything that we do stems from a choice, um, and each choice then leads to another and consequences that follow from that. Do you believe that if how, what's your feelings on like superstitions and uh, related to fate? I mean, I guess I could say that for someone who doesn't believe in fate, I'm probably very superstitious. Mm-hmm. Um, as an Italian, I think that's part of it. Um, throw salt over my shoulder every time I spill it. Um, but I don't think I think it's more just kind of laughable superstitious than actually believing most of it. So, Mrs. Bolt, um, how much free will do you think you exercise on your life daily? Um, I think it's probably 50-50. As someone who has a job, a lot of things that I'd like to do, I probably can't do because of that structure. Um, As a teacher, there are certain things that are expected of me. Um, And I think even social factors outside, I think, are also determined how much free will I have. Um, As a mother, I have certain obligations that I need to do that might determine what I do and the choices I make. as a daughter, that'll have the same sort of um, expectations, and as a woman as well, I think some of the choices that I make are determined by the society around me. What is, what are some of the things that you wish you could do, like you said? I don't know that there's necessarily things that I wish I could do that I can't. It's just that there are more constraints on things, so I always definitely have to think before I act, what is the outcome of what I do, how might it impact the way other people see me, um, I don't know that there's anything that I want to do that I can't do, mm-hmm. um, but I always have to think before I act and what are the repercussions of my actions. How would, how do you feel like your life would be changed if you if you weren't given the free will that we are in our lives? Because in the book that we're reading, it, this, uh, the main character isn't always on Earth. He's on uh, planet Trafalgar with Doria. So how do you feel if your life would be changed if you weren't given the free will that you can. Um, okay, so I definitely think that maybe even when I think of free will, it definitely brings me back to the rights as a woman that I have. Um, and I think maybe that is some way that I could connect to that character, where in the past women didn't have as many rights as they wanted to, and that free will was kind of stifled. Um, I'm lucky that I haven't had to deal with a lot of that issue. but. Um, I definitely can empathize with those who lived in the past before me, and I know how their rights were stifled, um, as well as looking at how Christians' rights have been stifled in other countries, and uh, people of minorities have been stifled as well. Um, So I guess that would be a way to connect it. Um, I think it would be really horrible if I didn't have a choice to be able to choose what I did and have some freedom in that. Pretty bad. That's all I got. <laughs> um, lots of people in the world are religious. Um, would you say religion is more geared toward fate or free will? Because lots of people see it in different ways. My understanding, at least of the Christian faith, is that a lot of it is based on free will. Um, I know that there's always that saying that God has a plan for everything and that things happen for a reason, and I struggle with that. I think a lot of the things that 
happen in our lives are because we decide them, not because someone has already determined them. Because if I believe that, I think it would be very hard to be faithful that if something bad happened in my life that God was the one who decided that and not a step that I took or a step that something that just happened. Mm. But if I thought that God was punishing me for something that I did or had predetermined that that was going to happen, I might have an issue with it. Um, I think other faiths might believe differently and other people interpret faith differently, but that's the way I see it. Uh, so you said that you don't believe that God necessarily has a plan for everybody. How do you think that uh, is it like is religion exclusive with like faith as in because you said that, that God does not have a plan for everybody but these people who are believing in faith more than free will uh, how would that how does that change their decision versus like somebody um, I definitely think that plays a large role I I'm, I'm think if though if I believe that no matter what I did I was going to still have the same outcome I think that I might make some I don't want to say that it would do make poorer decisions, but no matter what decision I made, it was going to end up the same way. I think that would impact my mentality. I think that with this concept of if you sin, there's a punishment, versus if you're a good person and there's a still punishment, I think that would definitely impact my actions and the way that I behave. Um, thank you, Mrs. Bolt, for sharing your thoughts with us today, and um, we hope that we can see you again. Thank you. That was Year 3000 by the Jonas Brothers. So I'd like to start this final segment of our podcast episode today by discussing a scene um, where it seems Billy's just sitting in front of a television. But in reality, um, I think it symbolizes a lot more than just him watching some war documentary. Breslin, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I definitely think this scene is significant because I think it's it's the first where Billy's things like gradually go backwards and not just jumping to a random time in the past or to time in the future he's seeing things specifically go backwards like he mentioned <clears throat> the bullets flying backwards in the opposite direction or the planes coming back to the uh, runways yeah and I think Vonnegut might be trying to tell us here through this um, scene how um we should be doing, so to speak, maybe the reverse of our actions. Although we are doing a lot of good things, when Billy's reversing time, he's seeing bullets coming out of people and you know going back into guns and bombs being put back together and fires being put out and people are basically coming back to life, being healed, unwounded, uh, both psychologically and physically. And um, I think that's pretty significant reverse what goes on in war, you know, really good things are happening. But, you know, if you go back through it real time, then um, war is really bad. And I um, I have a quote here that I'd like to talk about that really, I think, sums up just even how bad war is. So according to Nikolai Hansen from uh, the Beaverton Valley Times, overall, war hurts the well-being of the citizens by disrupting the social, economic, and political patterns. All wars have similar damages. They cost money to make weapons, send soldiers to the front, and supply them with food and ammunition. Many soldiers come back wounded or not at all, causing turmoil in the society. Wars also force political leaders to make hasty and poor decisions that can result in deaths of many more men. And I think I think he got it 
pretty on the nose. I mean, you could probably list off 20 bad things about war. Although, I'm sure, I mean, it has its benefits, but really, war really is just not not a good solution overall. Uh, so, overall, would you say that, <clears throat> would you say that a moment, uh, would you say that since Billy is viewing it in a backwards kind of pattern, do you think it changes a certain moment of when in what uh, chronological order it's portrayed? Or would you say that it's the same moment? I mean, it's still the same moment. I actually don't... I'm not really sure if it's fully him unstuck in time. Maybe partially. It's just kind of his imagination going back and seeing um, how much simpler it could be if, you know, when we're really bombing, destroying places, if we're rebuilding these buildings and quelling fires and things like that yeah so I, I i see that but i yeah i just think it's more of like billy seeing this on the tv as uh it's like he's seeing these it's it's what bonnie's trying to say bonnie's trying to express these more relationships where something's causing something rather than it being uh, like what we talked about earlier being automatically fate just it's expressing how there's these cause and effect relationships and not everything's just based in like the moment the moment's not already set yeah um, to go off that i think he's showing how um poorly we've handled our um gift of free choice here um free will i mean we have all these choices to um do great things but we're still you know, bombing people today and places are burning down just like the uh, church in Paris burned down the other or yesterday. And when we should really um, stop focusing so much on aggression and maybe dominance, but work towards um, a total peace. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely an interesting interpretation to take from the scene. But, yeah, I, I don't know if I would agree with Vonnegut going all that deep in with the scene. I would say that Vonnegut is just trying to explain how he uh, views the concept, views time and how he's able to manipulate the conception of time. I don't know if he's trying to send a message about specifically peace in this scene. Yeah, um, that might be true. Like, with peace and everything, that might be going a little far. Um, I still think everything in this book has been pretty simplistic. And um, overall, I think him going back in time and showing, you know, the reverse, the literal reverse of our actions um, and the good that they do when, you know, we're doing the opposite while we're doing such terrible. I think that he's really trying to parallel the two and show um, how bad war is, but overall just how bad we've used our freedom of choice. But um, to sum up this scene, um, you may not want to go as deep as I might have gone with this scene, but I um I do think that there's that it is simplistic and that there is a there's a point to it because it is kind of a you know more of a random scene. So I don't think he would have really shown you know Billy sitting in front of the TV unless he wanted to show 
you know, the reverse of our actions and um, maybe help point out what bad that we can cause when we um, are well, yeah. war. I just feel like it was more like symbolistic of uh, how the Trail Thermidorians uh, view time. And I think it was just comparing those two. I don't think he was, I don't think it was trying to compare uh, this scene as to Billy's like time in the war or war altogether. I, I really got to disagree with you on that though. Um, I don't think this relates to Truffle Midorians because with them, um, Billy's jumping, you know, moment to moment. He's not reversing time, so to speak, in his mind, which is exactly what he's doing here in this scene. I, I don't think this follows the whole um, time concept that the Truffle Midorians seem to follow. I mean, I think I, overall, I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this because I think it's pretty clear uh, that he's, I don't think that he's talking about the Trail of Thermidorians and because Billy's about to, he's about to be summoned by the Trail of Thermidorians. So I don't know how you could see it not really that, but I mean, that is your opinion and I can accept your viewpoint. But Yeah, that is a good point. Um, you know, Billy is about to go with the Trail of Thermidorians. Um, it could very well be both um, to a lesser extent. But um, I guess we would leave it to the listener and readers of the book to interpret the scene as you would. Um, I mean, yeah, there's you could take it as nothing, as the Trophimdorians, as anti-war, or um, really however you see it. But I think this is a significant scene overall, for sure, in the in the novel. So I'd like to wrap up this episode of um, the Unstuck in Time podcast now. Um, to do a quick recap, we um, got to interview Mrs. Bolt and hear her thoughts on fate and free will in um, society. Um, we talked about two interesting characters from the book and um, their roles in Billy Pilgrim's life and um, the novel as a whole. And we discussed a scene with what seemed as Billy um, really just watching TV, but it can be interpreted as much more. So, I uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Unstuck in Time with Connor Early and Brendan Breslin. And uh, let's end it with Kanye West and Chris Martin and Homecoming.